Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. How does the organization organize itself around the customer? What's the degree of integration between the channels? And this is the whole omni-channel bit. A naive organization, they wouldn't look at managing customer expectations. Again, think of the used car salesman. They're not looking to manage customers' expectations. They'll tell them what they the best thing that they can do to just get the deal. And then when the customer comes back and says, well, hold on, I thought you said it would do this, you could do that, etc." They say, well, tough luck, you bought it now anyway. That's the approach I take to exercise. Look, we're all going to die. So, you know, I mean, why, why are we bothering? Ryan, good news, mate. Let's hear it. We are going to talk a little bit about segmentation today, but Yay. not for too long because I don't want to bore people. Well, I'm pretty sure that some portion of our... Uh, listening audience really loves us talking about segmentation. Do you see what I did there? That was a segmentation joke. Ah, oh, <laughs> it's not going to be one of these episodes where you have to explain the jokes, is it, mate? I mean, because I have this a lot policy, episodes, which is Colin. <laughs> for some reason you don't get all my jokes that I don't understand. I, I have this philosophy, which is if you have to explain the joke, it's not funny. I have a philosophy, which is my jokes are always funny. And so if people aren't coming along, I'm, I'm happy to help them along. Good. So today we're going to carry on from um, last week. And last week we started to talk about customer centricity. Okay. And you'll recall that the whole sort of purpose around customer centricity, why is customer centricity important? Well, effectively, the experience that you give your your customers is a direct reflection upon how customer centric your organization is. So how you work internally, what you do internally, the processes you have internally, ultimately reflect on the experience that we that we have. So you define customer centric as kind of an attribute of the firm, attribute of the company. So this company is customer centric and this one is not, or or do you define it? Yeah, well, yeah. So it's, as we'll learn, it's not as black and white as that. So there are shades of gray, okay? Right. And it's sort of more of a maturity curve than a switch that you turn off and on, right? And so we did um, uh, research back in 2004. I wrote a book called Revolutionize Your Customer Experience, where we talked about the fact that all organizations are on a journey from being naive to natural in the way that they're orientated around their customers. And there are nine areas that affect that orientation. So there are things like the people and culture. We talked about that last week. If you haven't listened to that one, that's pretty fundamental. This week, we're going to be talking about things like customer strategy, marketing, and customer expectations, which again are three of those other nine areas. And this is the first time we've given people a real sort of deep dive insight into some of the assessments that we do. So we get asked to go into clients 
And effectively, they're saying, look, how customer-centric are we? How can we become more customer-centric? What is it we do? So we do this assessment, and therefore, I'm going to reveal some of the ways that we go about that and, moreover, some of the key questions that we ask in the hope that either the listener is sitting there going, can go, ah, okay, so this is where I think my organization is and therefore can assess their own uh, organization. Or if you're a CX professional, just to give you some information of how to start to assess clients that you may be working with. So does that make sense, first of Very all? Very good. Yep. I'm looking Great. forward to it. Okay. And I was, I was promised some discussion of segmentation too. Uh, as a and I'll this, start so. with that, mate. I'll okay. start good. with that. Give the people yeah. what they want. Come on. <laughs> well, give Ryan what Some portion want. of the people. <laughs> That was, a, that was a callback to my previous segmentation joke. <laughs> and I notice you're explaining it yet again. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go in to see clients and I would ask them these questions and I would get this picture of how customer-centric they were and we sort of codified it. So imagine walking into an organization and saying to them, saying, well, let's look at the philosophy behind your segmentation. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you segment customers? And typically, again, if you looked at this naive, transactional, enlightened, and natural, which are these four orientations, typically they would either turn around and go, well, we focus around products. We segment around products. So we've got customers that have got these products. We've got customers that have got those products, etc. Yeah. You've got another view which is going, well, we segment around revenue. So we have big customers, we have small customers, we have medium-sized customers, etc. Or we, well, we segment around industry standards, mm-hmm. you know, or industry. So we have pharmaceutical customers, we have construction customers, whatever it may be. Which groups, like these different types of, of segmentation strategies, where are they on the naive to natural? So naive would be just around product. Okay. Yeah. Transactional enlightened would be around sort of revenue. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry to say enlightened is more more industry. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one is segmenting around what we would call behavioral segmentation. So, and we've talked about this in the past, obviously, which is effectively looking at what the customer is doing. Yeah. And trying to segment them around, segment them around that rather than anything else. Okay. Now, I don't want you to get hung up with segmentation because we've got lots to get through today. All right. Too but late. anything you wanna, you want anything you wanna add to to that? Yeah, I've got hours of content. To uh, <laughs> maybe you could explain why these different segmentation strategies line up with these different. In other words, like why is it better to segment, for instance, by revenue than by product from this customer centricity perspective because i think what have you got against products colin why do you hate products (laughs) well because it and again let's take a step back we're not saying uh, and this is where we go back to that sort of shades of gray answer to your question you know there's not a switch of customer centricity this is one of many indicators that start to tell you about the mentality of the organization yeah so when you look at product, you could clearly have one customer 
with multiple products, okay? And the danger with just looking at them from a product perspective is you don't look at them from a whole customer perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's so great. in other words, you could have a customer that buys a lot of product A, but doesn't buy a lot of product B. So product B, when they talk to the organization about product B, they are treated as a small customer. When they talk to about product A, they're treated as a big customer, therefore different resources level and stuff like that. When you start talking to them at a revenue perspective, you're starting to recognize that that customer may be buying multiple products from you. And therefore, you've started to realize that you're actually talking about a customer rather than a product. And when you're starting to talk about industry, you're starting to realize that, well, pharmaceutical companies, telecoms companies, construction companies use the products in different ways and have different requirements and decision-making criteria. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think that along your progression there, we're, I mean, this, this makes sense since we're, we're trying to measure customer centricity, but we're getting closer and closer to an understanding of what the customer wants. Yes. People by industry, Correct. we're getting closer to, you know, how and why people use the product. Yes. Is yes. Often companies and effectively, yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And effectively that's what customer centricity is. It's, for yeah. me, it's, it is an understanding of the customer. I guess what we're really saying is it's the depth of understanding. Yes. So when you get to the sort of the top level, you know, um, where you're naturally focused around the customer, because you're you're un- from a segmentation perspective, you're understanding them from a the behaviour, not what they're saying that they do, but what they're actually doing, and you're getting into the whole area that we talk about here, obviously with them. Um, science and behavioral science and etc but let me move on because we've got lots to get through the other one in customer strategy which again is equally as important so again put yourself in our position we go in and we start talking about okay well what's the degree of alignment between the customer experience strategy that your organization has if they have one which is interesting in itself and the other functional strategies. So in other words, A, do you have a customer experience strategy? Yeah, first of all, and guess what? Naive organizations. So when I say naive, think of a, of a used car salesman, that type of organization that couldn't care less about the customer. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't have a customer experience strategy. But when we talk about other functional strategies, so I've worked for organizations where they have a customer experience strategy, but then every functional area like sales or marketing or customer service or finance or legal or whatever it may be has their own strategies and they don't align. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And that would be, that would be a lot of the transactional organizations. So, well, they've all got, so, so transactional would be, they've all got functional strategies. Enlightened is, well, they've now got a customer experience strategy, but they they haven't fully pulled it down into those functional strategies. And a natural organization would be that it's the customer experience strategy. I won't even say influences, it should impact the other functional strategies. So in other words, it's more, it's more dominant, if you want to use that word, 
over the other functional strategies. Or another way of thinking about it is many of the, the strategies that the, the legal group or the operations group or whatever, many of their strategies are not going to influence the customer one way or the other. But every once in a while, they will. And every once in a while, they will come into conflict with the customer experience strategy. So in those areas of conflict, kind of how are those conflicts resolved? Is it we always default to what to the customer? Or is it which one will save us the most money? Or You raise a couple of really interesting points there. So point one is customer centricity does not mean that you give the customer everything they want. Right. Which is a mistake that many people or many people make is they think that if they are customer centric, it means that we give customers everything they want. That's not the case. It should absolutely be baked in that it's about depth of understanding of the customer and the organization that needs to make their own decision. The other area I would pick up on is just because you're HR or finance or legal and you're in what I would call deep staff, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you don't impact upon the customer. Actually, they impact on the customer a lot. It's just it's further away. So the recruitment processes, policies, as we talked about last week, affect the customer experience. So the type of people you recruit affects the experience. The type of legal policies that you have affect the experience. Even though you're in that deep staff, I guess is the point I'm trying to make, is they shouldn't be seen as not being part of customer experience. They're absolutely part of it. You've just got to think through the impact in a bit bit of a different way. Does that make sense? I love it. It's great. We wanted to thank everybody for listening. You are great and the reason we do this. We're really pleased that we now have over 200 episodes. We've seen the podcast grow and grow. And now, according to Buzzsprout, it is in the top 5% of all podcasts globally. Thank you. That is truly amazing and not possible without you. But we have one request of you. Can you please tell a friend, a neighbor, or even someone you hate? It would be really good to get more listeners, and it encourages Ryan and I to continue to produce the show. So please, just tell a friend. So let's move on to marketing and brand, because again, we've got like 12 questions in each of these areas, and I'm only trying to give you a smattering, otherwise we'll be talking about segmentation for the rest of the podcast. You say that like it's a bad thing. (laughs) I shouldn't have started with that one, should I? (laughs) (laughs) Got to save dessert to the end, Colin. I should have saved it to the end, yeah. I've got you all excited. And being a marketing professor now, I'm I'm not sure if I should pass over the baton to you, but let me tell you what I think, and then you can tell me where I've gone wrong. (laughs) Please. I'm always happy Um, to tell you where you've gone wrong, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. So under marketing and brand, uh, again, imagine going into the customer and asking the question or going into the organization asking the question of, so what degree of alignment do you have between your brand and your customer experience? Is, is this a matter of setting expectations? Like how do you, I guess, connect the dots for me? Uh, yeah, okay. Take a step back. It's an indicator. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, if you answer this, you're in this area or whatever. Yep. It's just one of the indicators. But they're either turning around and saying things like, 
that there is no consideration given to the brand and customer experience that you know they're developed in isolation you got brand that do their thing you got customer experience that do their thing and never the twain shall meet yeah you've got organizations in fact naive organizations again wouldn't even have any of this they typically wouldn't even be think well they may think of it from a brand perspective but not necessarily from a customer experience perspective but you've got organizations where that alignment between the brand and customer experience is sort of tenuous yeah mm-hmm. so let me give you an example and let me tell you where i think some of this stuff falls down so we were talking with a client once and we were asking them of their brand values and one of the brand values was red r e d i recall this okay yeah and you just go what does that mean and you could tell there was a great deal of in intellectualization that had gone into it yeah i could un- obviously understand it but you just go but how does that manifest itself right. in the customer experience and a question i always ask is if i'm in the call center contact center or the front line what do i do so you tell me that a brand value is red or another one here's another one that I'll always I, i think is is a challenge inspirational right we have a brand value of being inspirational okay so yeah i can understand that i can see inspirational images on television i can see adverts that are inspirational but i'm now in a contact center what do i do that's going to inspire the customer and that's what i mean by that alignment all right and, and let me move on to another one because so for me the brand leads mm-hmm. okay so we've always said that the brand makes the promise in the marketplace the customer experience should deliver against that promise so i'm not advocating that customer experience is more important than brand in fact the other way what i am advocating is that you've got to think through how the brand manifests itself in the customer experience and that alignment go back to the question the degree of alignment between those two does that make sense yeah absolutely let's move on again just to go into some of the weeds but to what extent are customer facing people briefed about advertising campaigns before they go live and again this is really detailed so it's not like now talking about alignment between brand and customer experience but it reveals how customer centric they are and why is this important well because customers phone into a contact center or talk to an account manager and they say hey i saw your advert last night and i gather you're doing this or i think you're doing that or there was an offer on this or that or you know whatever it may be and if the account manager or the the contact center person says i don't know what you're talking about mhm last or no i don't know how to tell you how to get that offer then how does that appear to the customer it feels like that those briefings are not being made and again there's degrees that are within that does that make sense absolutely yeah and i i don't think that's an uncommon experience at all for people in the organizations where 
yes. was news to them that this is coming out. They find out at the same time customers do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another one, and you'll again, you'll like this one, the emphasis of market research. Mm-hmm. So what are you primarily looking at in market research? So again, if you're naive, a naive organization, all the market research will be just around the product. What product does the customer want? And that's even if they did market research, to be honest with you. If you're transactional, it's typically just around, again, those products, and but they have some uh, aspects of customer service in there. Mm-hmm. What degree of service do they want? With enlightened organizations, now are you doing market research around emotions? So are you doing research that looks at, well, which emotions are important to you? How, you know, are you feeling frustrated? Do you want to feel cared for, valued, etc.? And then finally, at the top level, they're also looking at the whole area of subconscious things. So some of those subconscious messages. And moreover, they're looking at the method in which the research is done. So again, and this is a whole subject that we've talked about before, but the difference between correlation research and causation research. So looking for the hidden things. So again, we talked many times about the difference between what customers say and what they what they actually do or what they actually buy. At natural level, they would be deploying, we call it an emotional signature, but looks at causation, looks for the hidden drivers of things. Make sense? Very good. So kind of depth of the research or focus of the research. Yeah, so depth of the research, but really as well, mate, what it covers, top level, is it just covering product? Is it just covering the rational aspects of a customer experience? Have you now started to think about emotions? And what's the methodology that you're using, basically, if I was to sort of summarize it into sound bites, basically? Very good. That sort of goes into the next area, which is around expectations. Okay. So, one of the whole other areas. So, we've talked about sort of customer strategy. As I said, there are some 12 odd questions in each of these. I'm only giving you a smattering. We've talked a bit about um, marketing. So now when we look at customer expectations, it's the way that the organization looks at managing customers' expectations. Yeah. So a naive organization, they wouldn't look at managing customer expectations. Again, think of the used car salesman. They're not looking to manage customers' expectations. They'll tell them what they, the best thing that they can do to just get the deal. And then when the customer comes back and says, well, hold on, I thought you said it would do this, it would do that, et cetera, they say, well, tough luck, you bought it now anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through to, I always remember sitting in this foyer of a potential client I was going into, and it said on the wall in big letters, we want to exceed our customers' expectations at every point of contact. And I thought, bloody hell, that's naive. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. What's wrong with that? Con? That sounds very aspirational. <laughs> yeah, but not achievable, <laughs> basically. Well, it it actually is. If you set expectations extremely low, yes, and it's possible <laughs> to exceed. 
<laughs> yeah, no, very good point. Yeah, that's that's the approach I take in my marriage. Uh, my wife is constantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, good point. But I guess it's that naive view. Yeah, yeah. They're not really looking to do it. They know they're not going to achieve customers' expectations at every moment of of contact. And then there there is the difference between physical expectations, the what. So now we're talking, I don't know, about the the speed of the processor or or how fast something would be delivered. So again, that's sort of more looking at the transactional side of an expectation and the expectation of the, the how. So how is someone treated? I always remember that we were doing a work for a credit card company some time ago. We were talking about when people are having financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered was the key driver when somebody was having financial difficulties was the way that they were dealt with. Because the perceived wisdom was, well, everyone's got financial difficulties and therefore you can't look to improve the experience because you're, you're basically chasing money after them and chasing them to pay your money and therefore the, the experience is going to be bad. This company had essentially excused themselves from customer experience. Yeah, to be totally honest, yeah, they had. Yeah, We don't need to worry about this. It's just going to be bad. And we're effectively going, we know this is going to be bad. And guess what? The results that we showed them in the research was, this is bad. And they went, yeah, we know it's going to be bad because they've got financial difficulties. That's the approach I take to exercise. Look, we're all going to die. So, you know, I mean, why, why are we bothering? Listen, mate. Welcome to my world of going <laughs> in and seeing clients. This is what I love about my job, right? Because you can go in and go, your baby's ugly. Right. <laughs> Don't you think you should be looking at this and have this conversation with them? And then they go, oh yeah, we hadn't really thought about it. Could you maybe have a slightly different philosophy than medieval torturers? Like maybe, maybe <laughs> we have a, just, just a little to the left. Sorry. Yes. Sometimes we have to think about the wording that we use when we're giving feedback. <laughs> so you go into this client whose philosophy was life is pain. And then you said, what? <laughs> we said, oh, we're sure you'll get better if you do these <laughs> things. <laughs> to be fair to people, it's just the way that, again, go back to the mentality of the organization. And that isn't trying to decry the organization. It's just that it's the way things are done around here. Yeah. In other words, when people are having financial difficulties, you're not going to be able to provide a good experience to them. No. Well, actually, sometimes it takes somebody coming in from the outside to go, yeah, you can. In fact, we were doing some research down in um, Houston in, in Texas for a hospital system down there. And we found that the same sort of principle, which was we were looking at the cancer experience. Okay. Clearly having cancer is not good, but the way people are treated when they have cancer was the differentiating factor. Yeah. So again, when you've got that extreme negative, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. There's a difference between the what and the how. I mean, and and let me tie it back to some things that you were saying earlier, which I think is interesting. I mean, when we're talking about debt recovery or cancer treatment, what you're describing is sounds a lot like kind of a product focus where the product is delivery of of cancer medications or servicing of debt obligations you know they're focused on what they do as opposed to focusing on 
the experience that people are having when they do it. Yes. So clearly they need to focus on both. Yeah. Obviously we want to cure the cancer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And again, this goes back to their foot of the mentality. Am I only looking at the what, the product, the service, the way that we're collecting? How often should we be phoning the customer to get the money back that they owe us? So are they only looking at that? Are they looking at the how that they're doing that? Yeah. So that doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't be phoning up and chasing the money again. You should, Mm -hmm. but you should also be empathetic to the customer's situation. You should be taking time over the call, the types of words and phrases that you use, all those types of things. Is it a challenge? Yeah, it's a challenge. But this is the difference between a customer-centric organization and not a customer-centric organization. It's great. Makes sense? And then you get into the whole area of, and we're going to be running out of time, so I'm going to be brief with these, uh, but I want to get a few of these over to, to people. Well, how frequently are these customers' expectations reviewed? Again, we were working with a client fairly recently who said, yeah, we've got some of this research. And we said, great, okay, so typically we we ask for a lot of the research to get a sense of where customers are and everything else. Yeah, so you're basing this this decision that you've made on this piece of research. When was when did that research when did you do that research? Seven years ago. Okay. So has it been updated in seven years? No. So the decision that you've taken was clearly good for that time, but has things changed in seven years? <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much they have. So a- again, the frequency in which market research is undertaken, the frequency in which people review expectations, and I'm not going to bore you with it. We're not saying it should be reviewed every week. Clearly, we would be reviewing this every year, at least, just to go have things shifted. And when you've just gone through what we've, or what the world's going through still at the moment, which is the pandemic, has that moved customers' expectations? I think so, in lots of different areas. So you need to sort of redo those things. The last one I want to just quickly mention, because it is really important, is basically how does the organization organize itself around the customer? Yeah, What's the degree of integration between the channels? And this is the whole omni-channel bit. So this is the whole sort of CRM bit, which is, do I have to phone different parts of the organization to get responses on things? Am I looked at as a complete customer? So if I put something on social media, is that if I speak to somebody then in the contact center, have they seen what I've put on social media and understand the interaction that I've had there or not? And again, the more omni-channel, one channel that focused they are, the more focused around the customer they are, the more customer-centric they are, I would argue. I'm conscious I've been doing a lot of the talking. So any thoughts before we wrap up? In theory development, I know this is not the direction you were wanting us to go in this episode, but you know you know what you signed up for with me. <laughs> when we're developing theories, uh, there's this idea of a construct, which is a, a very fancy theory word. And it essentially means that that there's this abstract idea that we can't get to directly. And so we have to kind of hedge around it. And ideally, the, yep. the best way to get at a construct is to measure it in lots of different ways. 
that are all slightly different, but that all converge on an idea. And so from a, a theory perspective, and, and for our listeners, Colin and I have worked together before, but I'm not integrated into beyond philosophy. And so I can look at this from the outside. And, and yes. these two episodes have, have been the first time that that you and I have kind of walked through all of these things together. Yes. I'm, I'm very impressed with how convergent all these measures are. I think that they all look at Good. slightly different aspects of customer centricity. But customer centricity is a construct. There's there's no single measure of getting at it. And so the best way to do it is to look at it in all these different ways and see how they converge. And, and you kept pushing back on me, and, and justifiably so, um, to emphasize that no single one of these is going to capture it. No. It's not like, oh, you've done these three things, you're great. Instead, it's this is a very squishy concept, and it, it permeates throughout the organization. And so if you want to get a good handle on it, then you're going to need to do it in a thorough, evaluative way. And I, I think that these fit together well and really zero in on on a core idea, which I think people are going to be able to grasp if they, they run through the list of the ways you're measuring it. I agree. How we came up with this is just when you go in and you start asking questions, you go, well, yeah. why is my opinion being changed by what the answers I'm getting? And the, the other interesting area, and again, we're going to have to shut up in a minute. The other interesting area there's is, a segment of our listeners, Colin, that want longer episodes. <laughs> so I'm now talking to one person, am I? <laughs> I didn't say how large the segment was. <laughs> My mother is a segment of our listenership. <laughs> she wants more. Can I get out this other interesting area, for Christ's sake? <laughs> so the other interesting area is if you do this in a really large organization, you get different parts of the organization who can be more customer centric than other parts of the organization. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes So that we've sense. done this in some large pharmaceuticals. I remember doing it years ago where we, we actually did it in 16 different countries and you could absolutely pick out that this part of the organization were more customer centric than that part of the organization. This one was particularly good at people. Mm -hmm. That one was particularly good at marketing. This one was particularly good at channel. Yeah. And what you could then do is identify some really good practices and you could turn around and say, so why don't you start? They're doing this here. Get them to train the other organizations on what they're doing. Just mimic what they've done because they've done the hard work. And then when you look at it as a sort of a, a, a in a totality, you can start to see the organization as a whole and be able to start to work out where um, which part of the organization is most needs help and which part of the organization is ahead. So anyway. That's great. So I hope that's been of use to people. Sorry it's run on a bit longer than normal. Please remember that we're doing this new segment of the show called I'm in a Pickle where we're going to pick out business problems. So if you've got a business problem that you want Ryan and I to discuss and hopefully solve for you, then please just drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? 
That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.